The third scripture reading for this evening comes from John chapter 18, verses 28 through chapter 19, verse 13. This is God's word. When they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters, it was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by which, or to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would not would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. This is the word of the Lord. It's not printed in your bulletin, but I've been in my head, which helps me titling this homily, The Inconvenient Truth. That is because from this reading we just heard from John chapter 18, Jesus said, For this purpose and this purpose alone I've come in the world to bear witness to the truth. 
And what is that truth? And it contains some very wonderful parts, and it also contains some parts that are a lot more inconvenient than we often like to think about. You know, I, just thinking about life, I really, really hate being inconvenienced. I don't know if any of you guys are like me, but it's almost the big things that happen unsettle me less than the little things that just are annoying. You know, that thing you buy at the store and try to put together and it just won't work, or there's a piece missing, or traffic on the way home, something like this. And why is this? It's because I think for a lot of us, we know we only have one life and we only have a certain amount of time. We're trying to have the fullest life possible in the middle of a hostile world. And every little moment counts. I mean, these little frustrations, it's like they're just pulling us back from the fulfillment in life, at least in that moment, that we think we can find. Um, and just thinking about this, a long time ago, you know, five, eight hundred years ago, people were deathly afraid of hell. And, it, and God's judgment actually made them do things that were very inconvenient and they didn't even think about it. Like... The Crusades. People actually went on the Crusades not because they necessarily believed in what they were doing, but because the Pope actually promised people that if they went, that they would have eternal security. And so there's this broad cultural sense where men's tenuous, people's tenuous standing before God was assumed and it was ever present. But today it's not really the same situation, I think we would say. I think, you know, in our cultural moment here, the real enemy is being inconvenienced in the here and now. And to have our life hindered in some way that we can't get the maximum amount of joy that we think we should have. And, you know, part of the gospel is really good news and it really conveniently serves this. Like we love the resurrection, which we're going to celebrate on Sunday, and we should. This promise of new life and new creation. We love things like old things being made new. You know, things that were broken, reclaimed, and then repurposed and made new into something that they were always intended to be. We like things like being loved in our weakness and being in an environment where that's free of judgment and condemnation. And who wouldn't? These are wonderful things. These are wonderful truths about the gospel. But there's another side of the gospel, a darker side, which comes right along with it, that this day on Good Friday kind of gives us pause to think about and reflect on. And that's the fact that Christ died for us and purchased us Things like we belong to another. It means what we naturally do are not necessarily the best things for us. That we have to answer to another. That we have to, in some cases, deny the fulfillment that we think we should have um, in the name of following Christ. And that even we see things in Scripture like it calls us to love our enemies or to turn away from anger or to even when those hurt us to turn the other cheek and actually love them. You know, these things, they, they actually, you know, they kind of feel like they violate our emotions. I mean, that we, we feel like we have to go against what we feel. We don't like this. It feels kind of inauthentic or dishonest um, in this moment we live in. And I wonder if, if you've noticed this aspect of your own life. And at the end of the day, the fact that Christ died for us brings this reality out quite sharply. Um, it's a sobering reality that, that Christ would, in order to reestablish a relationship with us and to help us to flourish, that he would need to send his, his son to die in our place to satisfy God's divine justice. Um, 
it's an inconvenient reality what it says about us, that, that there would be this need for us. And it's highly inconvenient. And you know, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of us in here, and I know me, I, I always have this ever-present sense of that God is bigger and more powerful than me. And, you know, when I sin and my, you know, I mess up, there's always this tension to be afraid of God. I think we know that of God's, a lot of us, if we've been following Christ, we know his ability to pass judgment on us. But do we ever stop and think about his righteousness? I mean, that he would actually be right to do so for me. I mean, that in and of myself, what I do every day in just trying to make my way in a hostile world and find fulfillment in the way that I want to, that, that, is, not, that is not right. That is actually not right that I would actually deserve God's judgment. It's, it's very inconvenient and it interrupts us and it gives us, it gives us pause to think that what is going on here. Maybe things are not exactly like I seem they seem and I've experienced in life. And what do we do with this? I mean, we can just think about it just a little bit further. I mean, we think about temptation to sin. Like, why do we end up, we, do we end up stumbling? I mean, because there's heavy temptation all around us. It's like it pulls on us. You know, there's this, like, this force that it's not easy to resist. I mean, think about when you lose your temper. Like, when you lose your temper, it's usually not something that you just decided to do. Uh, that I want to go do something wrong, so I'm going to lose my temper. But it's like you get stuck in these situations, and then frustration mounts, and your blood pressure goes through the roof, and you just do it. And we think a little bit further. In our generation now, we have more knowledge about the impact of the world we live in on us from the outside than any other generation has before. We like we know how our families shape us, and decide they really dictate the way we view the world and the decisions we make and what we do. We know the impact of trauma and PTSD and this type of stuff more than anybody has before. And that there's outside forces that actually lead us in this place where we do, we know that God has said that we can't do and we sin. And what do we do with this? Because that's all true. I mean, it is a reality that we have all experienced that we live in a broken world that is difficult to navigate. But at the end of the day, we still have to come to grips with this fact that God still sent His only Son to die in our place for us. Now, where do we put this? It's, it's an inconvenient reality, reality that's a little bit uncomfortable when we think of, about it to come to grips with. Because I think if you're like me, what we really want at the end of the day is we don't think that we really need satisfaction for God's justice. What we need is a helping hand from God just to help us make us make our way through the world so we can have a happy life and we can live a full life. I mean, why would we not want that? And so this is a good day on Good Friday to pause and ask this question. Now, why did Christ have to die? Why didn't he just extend us a helping hand to help make our lives more full, to get rid of the inconveniences out of our way so that we could be more happy? That's a question. I think it's a hard question. I want to read for you here, briefly, a passage from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. They're verses you all know very well. And we're going to see very two important points here. It says this, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does this say? At its root, this says, Paul calls our attention to notice that where we orient our lives to get the most fulfillment out of it possible, and to make our own way, that Christ and God together, God the Father, God in three persons, did the exact opposite. So he had all of the glory of heaven. He had the most full experience that he could have and decided not to take it. I mean, why would he do that? That is not what you and I tend to do. That is not how we live our lives. And this means two things. There's bad news to this and there's good news. The bad news is this. And that if there was some other way, that he would have taken it. I mean, I think the fact that he sent Christ to do this for us that this is what it required for us to be in relationship with Him is heavily indicting of our actual condition, whether we know it or not. It shows us that our normal experience of our own sin in our own life and of the sin of those around us is not really the full picture that we get to see. Even if we don't get it fully, we do see what God did for us and the lengths that He took. And in some ways, that's enough. And it shows us that the standing that we naturally have before God in our own skin, on our own feet, is not good. But there's also a good side to this. And that this, and it boils down to, I think, one word. And that we might not want to admit this darker side of the gospel that we see in Christ's death. I think what I want to propose is we actually get something better out of the deal than we would have if we push that truth to the side. Because Paul says this, in verse 8, a verse many of you I know know very well, he says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the situation. What we tend to want out of life is we want a helping hand to God to extend here so we can have a little bit more of a full life um, over here. But what God says is that while we were actually not just floundering, we were floundering, but also his enemies, like way over there, that he shows his love for us by sending his only son so that he could be with us. So what he's actually giving us is way over there. It is something way bigger than we could ever imagine. And you know, the key to a full life at the end is very tied up with love. I think it, it, a lot of ways, comes down to having a full heart. I mean, love is something that we all desperately want and we all crave. And what we see it is actually when in acknowledging the brokenness that we actually contribute to and how we are culpable before God because it is in that place we get to experience a love like none other that He gave to us. And there, once we're at that point, then... If he's willing to do that for you, even while you're his enemies, not doing it well, how much more can he not do good for you? This is what we celebrate on Good Friday. It's bad news on the surface, but I think at the end of the day, that what Christ gave us is an expression of a love that really is, is beyond anything that we can really fit into our brains. And it is, that is the power that we have to go forth and to live our lives 
I wonder if you'd pray with me. Father, this is a hard truth that we have and that you have given us by sending your son to the cross. It's hard to conceive of ourselves as worthy of your judgment. But I pray that this weekend, as we celebrate your death and resurrection, what you did for us, that you would open up our hearts, that we would be able to see the love that you have for us, that even the frustrations that our lives are filled with living in this hostile world, we would be able to look beyond them and see the care and love that you have for us despite all of that. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.